With the three MCs here to rock the beat. Super rap, Donna Ron, Sagittarius C. We got rhymes galore. We got rhymes galore. It's time to come alive, y'all. Welcome to the fifth edition. This is the fifth edition. Six. It's the sixth, my brother. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> welcome to the sixth edition. Or every edition, rather. You well, just... welcome. Well, listen, this is the sixth. <laughs> Welcome to the sixth edition of the Generation Wait. Flex. I'm sorry. I think it is a fifth. I no, believe the third. I'll let you all. Anyways, it's, it been, it's been so no, it's many. Fifth. It's the fifth one. You know, he was right. You actually were right this time. Hmm. So, what? It's the fifth one. The fourth one was on the because the third one was the Prince one. The fourth one was the last one. And this is the fifth one. Troy, you got it right this time, my brother. Well, I'm sure, you know, all yeah, 20 of our. Our just, listeners will, will let us know. <laughs> That's all you have to do. So just eat it. You just eat it. <laughs> Welcome to the fifth edition of the Generation Flex podcast, where we talk about everything that is bad and black and black and bad from the period of 1980 to 2000. No topic is off limits. We cover literature, education, politics, law, entrepreneurship, hip hop. The arts, media, what else, guys? Prince. Uh, Prince, absolutely. <laughs> um, today's show, we are honoring the fresh Prince, the uh, hip hop ambassador, the what's all these other names? The uh, Big Willie style. Big Willie style, the man in black. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Independence Day, there Mr. Fourth of July, oh, the billion dollar boy. I mean, what was superhero movie he was in Hancock. Hancock. Mr. And I Legend. Yes. The, I am Legend. I. But you mix I Legend and I am. I mean, I am Legend and I Robot together with that title. It's okay. Uh, Both were great movies. They were. I. I, still, I definitely had until somebody stole it. I had I Robot on. Um, on DVD, the original copy, not a bootleg. Choice. Well, for those living, for, for those living in Neptune, we're talking about Will Smith. Oh yeah, and if so you didn't this, know, just go ahead and turn it off. You were living on Neptune. <laughs> um, you know, I've really been very excited about this show because, you know, just the way things have been going lately with Muhammad Ali and some of the other things going on in the media, Will Smith's name has actually started kind of coming up again so and i think he was uh, he was honored for like a a lifetime achievement at the mtv awards this year like he's starting now this year to be recognized as that icon that you know we're starting to see him as he's, he's getting those accolades this year so i think there's no better time than to pay homage to the brother who has influenced an entire generation across several genres and, and I, I think that's a, f- a fair assessment uh, not sure. Um, before you know, I know usually like after you do these introductions, I we usually do a new segment. But I want to do a little something different. Can I okay. tell you about the um, American Black Film Festival? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so the American Black Film Festival, y'all, in short, was amazing. Where was it held this year? It was held in South Beach at the Ritz Carlton. Ooh. Um, now, I will say this, though, as much as I love the American Black Film Festival, 
there was a couple things that were kind of cliche black. <laughs> um, so let me let me start from the beginning to the end. Now, um, I'm one to I know that there are stereotypes about our people um, starting on time. So I wanted to make sure that I got there early because I'm, you know, I'm thinking to myself, it started on, on Wednesday um, the 15th. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to be the early. I'm not going to be that guy. This is a film festival. I refuse to be late. You know, I want to make sure that I, I get, you know, I get my stuff, my passes early, yada, yada, yada. So uh-huh. I get there 830 in the morning. My um, I'm staying with my cousin who lives in Palmetto Bay in South Florida. For those of you, for those of you that don't know what Palmetto Bay is, it's south of Kendall. And South Beach is a good, with with good traffic, 45 minutes away. Bad traffic is about an hour and five minutes away. Oh, God. Which means I, and then, you know, as I'm playing it back in my head, I see now why it took me almost a quarter tank of gas every morning just to get there. So I get there, I get to the hotel, eight, maybe 8.35 in the morning. I'm beating myself up because I'm I'm already, I wanted to be there at eight o'clock, you know, hour early. Thinking, you know, everything is gonna start. I'll be, I'll be straight. Blah blah, uh-huh. blah blah blah. I get there. I go to the for information desk, and they tell me <sighs> registration starts at eleven o'clock. Uh- Wait a minute. What time is it right now? At this time, it is nine o'clock in the morning. They say registration starts within two hours. So I'm way too early. There's a difference between being early and way too early. I'm way too early. Yeah. So. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting around mingling with different people. I meet a guy, I'm not going to say his name, but he kind of brags about himself. And I realize there's a difference between pitching and bragging. Yes. And he throws <laughs> out everything. I mean, he lets you know. I'm not going to say the man's name. I'm not going to say the man's name. I'm not going to say the man's name. What did Ryan with? I'm going to give you a hint. I'm, gonna give, I'm not going to give you a hint, but I will say this much. Do we know? Will, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Smith, Smith, I don't want to do this. No, my buddy play a character with the same, this guy's exact same name. But, um, oh, that could be anything. Well, not too many. I don't even know what that means, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> but the guy Pitt was talking to me about, you know, man, yeah, you know, I got it. I got it. <laughs> <deal. I> <laughs> Is that what he sound like? <laughs> <laughs> he sound like Jerome. Oh, oh. <laughs> he trying to tell me, yeah, man, I got a distribution deal out of Nashville for my movie. I just produced the movie on BET. Um, and then 20 minutes later, yeah, man, I'm working on my autobiography right now. Oh, 16 what? years in prison. You know, I'm just grinding out here trying to do this film thing. Mm, sounds like quite the story. What? Sounds like, like Cookie that. lying, to be honest with you. It sounds like he, yeah, it sounds like Bert. he didn't pitch his story. But no, he, but it, it, it he wasn't pitching. He was bragging. Like, I never heard nobody brag about being in prison and writing a story about it. Like, he was legit, like, just... Oh, well, I mean, that's an accolade to, su- to survive something like that. That could yeah. be something to brag about. But I would. Five, I would, too. 16 years? What? Listen, a prison? But every five minutes, you give me up... Oh, you voluntarily telling me something new. We stopped talking for five minutes, and then you bring up something new. <laughs> Well, he has, he has certainly left an impression on you. So, listen, let me ask you this. Did you have an opportunity to catch uh, Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation? Now, let me tell you about that. Okay. I, I block, now, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm going to get into that real quick. Oh, a couple films that they say we were going to see some, you know, see some um, some work from. 
you know, they showed The Land, which is a documentary about, I mean, a, TV, a movie about, um, you know, it's like a coming of age movie about Cleveland. Some kids growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, didn't get a chance to catch that. Um, they showed behind the scenes footage of the movie Almost Christmas, uh, produced by Will Packer, Fame U Rattler, um, directed by um, David E. Talbert, a Morgan State alum. Shout out to the HBCUs and also executive produced now by Gabrielle Union. And then they also were going to show um, they showed <laughs> Birth of a Nation. Yeah, now, now, this is the thing with the Birth of a Nation, though. I don't think anybody read the fine print on the Birth of a Nation. Please, they were because I did. They were showing a behind the scenes clip from the birth of the birth of a nation. Everybody that saw that because and I felt like it, it's some somebody knew what they were doing because it explicitly in bold said behind the scenes of almost Christmas. But for the birth of a nation, it didn't say that until you read like the little small tiny paragraph underneath it talking about showing bomb behind the scenes stuff. So you and, think they weren't supposed to be showing it? No, I think they knew they knew that you saw Birth of a Nation on there. And you was like, oh snap, I gotta go see that. You but in that fine print, it was behind the scenes clips and not the whole movie. Oh, they tricked you into going. So it was just the trailer? It was well behind it. I ain't go because when I read that, I was like, nah, I ain't going. I saw the trailer. It it's going to be intense. No, I'm excited. I mean it's gonna be very intense. I'm very excited to see what Nate Parker does with this. A friend I mean, of mine. A friend of mine went to um, a screening in uh in DC and a friend of mine went in Atlanta. They both had to walk out of the theater for a moment. Oh why? Because it was too intense. Like they couldn't take it. Oh. Ooh. That sounds like something to spend your money on. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and it's independently financed, right? Like it's not yeah, yeah. like he, you he know spent, he spent his own money to go get investors to help pay for the film. To, and then he sold it for over seventeen million dollars, which oh, is the Jesus. largest the largest Sundance selling of any film of all time. And then the brother, then he found, or he's he's establishing a film school at Wiley College. He is, yeah, he is. Um, same place that the Great Debaters um took place. The movie. There were two people that you told me that you got to speak to. I don't think you, you got to tell ever. So Oh, okay. <laughs> who can you please tell ever who were the two people that you made their acquaintance this weekend? Okay, so Miami Dade <laughs> County's own Joe Marie Payton, the voice of Sugar Mama and Harriet Winslow, was in the building and <laughs> she gave me can I tell you I hollered when you said that? Did you, did you play the podcast when we talked about I wish, it? Listen, I wish I could. Because she was actually a festival goer, so she was really trying to learn more. I mean, she's a vet in the game. Been in the game yes. wow. a good, good 30, 40 years, but she was there to learn. She's now, on TV now. She's on uh, on Bounce TV on that on the house. Uh, Shout out to Man, Bounce TV. Man and yeah. Wife. Yeah. She's on I, that thought show. Was, I thought that was so beautiful, though, that oh. this veteran in the game this well, veteran in the game was there to learn. Well, that's now, how she you gave, know she's about her she gave me a, She gave me a piece of advice, though, um, as well. She said to, you know, to look up some stuff in online. I'll give you information um, in the podcast, well, after the podcast, about uh-huh. basically registering your work and and owning it for, like, $29. Oh, we need to talk about what? that immediately. Yeah. Later. Because I told y'all about niggas been jacking me for mine. No, no, no. But no, bruh, but, but listen, though, this is what's so crazy. And this is why I have to say this before I tell you the other person I met. The showrunner, Courtney, I can't remember her last name right now. Courtney Kemp something. She's the showrunner and creator of, of Power, 
she was there. I went to a seminar with her and she gave an example about um doing specs. Specs is pretty much doing uh what you kind of do, Troy, doing fan like kind of a fan fiction script of an episode of a TV show. Okay. Um, and she says that she oh. likes she likes that kind of stuff. Like if she sees, she said, and I quote, if someone were to give me, and this is gonna make you shout, Troy, if somebody were to give me a spec script of a different world right now, I would probably hire them for my writing. <laughs> well, you well, listen, listen, I'm trying to tell you. Look, Sing I done prayed about it. I done put it in God's hand. Let's make it happen. Because right. like, I got some things on the table. Hell, my homecoming is about to crank up. I'm trying you to tell you. What blew my mind? You gotta well, you gotta read it. That's what blew my mind because I'm like, yo, my homeboy is legit created like a whole re- revival of the whole show, which I don't even know. And, she and it's about, good. Oh, and it's good. And she's like, good. And she said, I would probably hire them right now to work. Like, so you mean to tell me that my dog could be, she could be working on power, basically, is what she's trying to say. Like, oh, like, listen. No, don't make my dreams come true. No, you need to revamp. They've been talking about bringing a different world anyways. They need to bring it back with your storyline because it's relevant. You're like, it's, you're getting Dwayne, you're getting Whitley, but you're getting in like a scandal form. Like, yeah, like, it's about to get good. I got, listen, I got the whole summer line so already good. lined up it's about to get real well listen jabari that sounds like something i okay. definitely need to be connected into yeah you do and now i will we'll talk about that a lot more because i know we got to get to this whole will smith thing but the last thing i want to talk to you guys tell you guys who i met so i'm sitting down random guy sitting across from me right um and he's he's talking to me he's talking you know we're talking or whatever and i kind of tune him out for two seconds and i look to my look up to my right and i say this woman look like robbie reed and I said, Miss Reed. I said, Miss Reed. And she power <laughs> walks fast. And I'm like, Did it, was that Robbie Reed? I'm like, so I look so I go to her Instagram because I follow her on all social media. And she's at the festival. So I'm like, that was her. And I and so I posted on Facebook, I just got curved by Robbie Reed. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like accidentally bump into her at some point, right? Uh-huh. Without actually bumping into her. Accidentally on purpose. Right. And then what I end up doing is literally accidentally bumping into her, like completely by accident again. And when I see her this time, I, I had I had to stop her. I said, Miss Reed, can I just talk? Can I talk to you for like two seconds? <laughs> you know, what's, what's, what's up? I said, I just needed you to. I just wanted to tell you thank you for everything you did for the image of the black people. And mm. I said, like the images we have, like from the '90s, are you are a big part of that, and I really appreciate you what you did and all the films and television shows that you worked on. And I say, me and my friends during Women's History Month, we honored you because of all <laughs> the amazing things that you did. And she said, and I told her about the podcast. She says, "Oh, can you write that down for me?" She's like, I like to check that out sometimes. I'm going to check that out sometime. So, Miss Reed, whenever you do hear this, oh I don't know if it's going to be this week, next week, whenever you do hear this, Miss Reed, I'm taking it was a me. pleasure. It was a pleasure speaking with you. It was a pleasure to meet you again. Um, I do have, she gave me her email address, and I'm not giving that out because I'm nobody's fool. Um, but when I tell you, it was like one of the greatest. That Robbie Reed for me is like second to Oprah. Like for real, for real. Absolutely. And for those who don't who don't remember, Robbie Weed was um we talked about her back in the March show. Episode where we, what was it two? I think it was episode two. And she's been instrumental in a lot of the casting and virtually 
I mean, all the black classics from school days to soul food. I mean, anybody who was anybody has been casted by Robbie Reed. She's definitely a major force behind. And what you did, Jabari, that's that's essentially what it's all about, is being able to tell those people now while they're living and breathing, thank you. So that was, um, you know, that that really made me feel, um, that made me feel good to know that you were able to do that. I'm tearing um, up just a little bit because absolutely, it's, it's very that, emotional. It's like you know, we when we have the passing of Muhammad and Prince and all these amazing people, and then to know that you know we were able to give thanks to her before it was too late. It's like yes, that's one that I feel like okay on my conscience, like she knows that Black people appreciate her, and so absolutely. I'm Jabari. I am so glad that you absolutely you know were bold enough to go ahead and just say hey, give me two seconds of your time. You know, absolutely, and I articulated your thank you so well because I would have stumbled and mumbled all over myself. I would have been like, Oh, just I just, it, I that's I just would have stumbled all through that. I don't I even know what I would have said. Well, I mean, my, my brother Keith Oliver, as he says it, it was the co author, as he puts it, the co author was there, you know, speaking, helping speak through me to her because I didn't, I was oh, most man. Through my words. <laughs> that sounds so, like I mean, Keith Oliver. I mean, yeah, that's my brother, man. But um, yeah. I also told Joe Marie Payton about it too. But I don't know if she's gonna listen no time soon. You know, she's, you know, she's saying like she's a little busier. Well, not well, busier, we but you know, she's not. Her as well. We mentioned her. No, we did. Time. I told her about it, but I don't know. If, you know, she's, you know, yeah. Well, doing that is, you know. It's but I mean, well, you never know. Absolutely, and then, you know, you had you you got to meet two amazing people. You got to connect with them. You were an extension of you know, Generation Flex, and that was, that experience cannot be taken back. So I appreciate you for even making the opportunity for yourself to go, because being a filmmaker, you have to invest in those types of things. You have to be around people who do what you want to do, who've done what you've done, so that you can know that you can do it. So so before we get into the conversation today, today is actually the seventh anniversary of the passing of Michael Jackson. I actually came across something yesterday that I thought was kind of funny, um, preparing for the show. So now they're starting to release some of these transcripts that Michael Jackson took um, to write his autobiography, Moonwalk in 1988. And they released a never before transcript of Michael Jackson and how he felt about Prince. And (laughs) Michael said, oh, I wrote it down, but I'm just going to paraphrase. Michael said he was the rudest person I have ever met in my life. He was so nasty to me and my family. He was so competitive. And this is what took me. Michael was like, he thinks he's my competition. He's not my competition. I've been doing this for a very long time. And when I thought about that, I was like, you know what? That's low-key true. Like, by the time Prince became Prince, Mike was already in the game like 15 years. All all of those statements were, were accurate. Um, <laughs> well, I thought it was, uh, but from yeah, a point I'm like, you, really, Michael? It, like, it you know, like, really? It sounded like Michael was a fan, and when he went over to Prince, 
Prince probably threw some fam- infamous fans like Prince Shade and Michael didn't take to that too kindly. And it just because you, if you think about it, like Prince was competitive. But, yes, he was. But that's the nature of the game. Like we can't be friends, especially if we two, you know, two singers, two black singers. Like we fighting, we fighting for a lot of audience. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, of course. Uh, 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 go ahead, Jamar. I was. Gonna say, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, even like the only people that are ever competitive, like in the in the prime of their careers or in the early stages of their careers, and work together are rappers. You never see singers out here. You know, compete. The only time you've seen that, you might have seen that a few times recently with like when Lady Gaga and Beyonce did Video Phone and the other song together and, mm-hmm. and something else. But for the most part, like you ain't gonna see no Rihanna and Beyonce song no time no. soon. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna see um, Jennifer Hudson and, and Lettucey. You're not gonna I see mean, that. You got that, Whitney and Mariah though. That you was got Aretha and Whitney. But you got Whitney and Mariah t- almost 10 years in the game each. Yeah, they weren't like. And yeah, it, Brandy and Monica. Well, Brandy and Monica weren't competition really until that song. Well, I disagree. People weren't but, really pitting them together until that song. I mean, but not only that though, but like Prince's circle has always remained very small, and just you know, especially during that time and the lifestyle that he was living during that time, it I don't see it in no way, shape, or form lining up with like Michael's lifestyle and them being friends. Like I just don't I don't see how that would even personality wise would even go together so Agreed. i mean that's well, why i said i i believe everything he said was true but I, think <laughs> I do think prince was, was rude as hell but i i think it was more so that prince just wasn't as starstruck as michael probably would have liked him to be he hurt his feelings like that statement sounds hurt like hurtful. it does and because honestly <laughs> and, and he does go on to say that when they met initially because this was in 1988 but they met some years earlier. So he said Prince was initially starstruck, but after he got he famous, he just, get out of here. You know what I'm saying? I love you. But it, you know, <laughs> you know. So you know, it was a bit petty. I thought it was. I thought it was funny as <laughs> hell. So. But I love it though. I love hearing dynamics like that back then, though. Absolutely, you and it's you know, like, it's stuff like that that shows you Michael Jackson was really human. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he had feelings, and he was, you know, he and was a man of. They were <laughs> by a man who didn't give a damn about show. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, I love them both, though. But you know, low key, you know how they say Prince has that vault of like. Six hundred songs. Yes, that I just want to go lay in. And Listen and roll around in the naked. Let me, if if I could ever have a place of isolation, <laughs> it won't be an island. I'll be in that vault. It'll be in that vault for the but rest this, of my life. I I promise you, it's something down there with Prince and Michael Jackson. I know they jam together. I don't think so. Absolutely, you know. And there's actually um, there was one time where the two of them ended up in a recording studio in California in the 80s. And they actually got into this real heated, low-key the Prince Michael Jackson shade goes, <laughs> it goes some years. It does. But uh, they met up in a, or they just so happened to be at the same recording studio in California, and they got into this real intense, like, ping-pong match. <laughs> and Prince, like, smacked the ball to the point to where Mike had to, like, get out the way from it and that's how he ended the game. Oh, you mean an actual ping pong match? Like an actual ping pong match. That yeah. is random as shit. I, I'm sorry. No, because no, no. I heard the story about um Jimmy Fallon told a story a couple weeks ago about how 
how he and Prince had a ping pong, um, had a ping pong game. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and then, and after the ping pong game, like, cause Quest Love was supposed to be there at the ping pong game and okay. he was late. So he sees Prince and like his like purple limo or something pulling off. And then he runs, but Quest Love like runs up to the limo real quick and says, Hey, what happened? He's like to, to Prince, he's like, Yo, what happened? Prince slowly rolls down the window and says, Ask your boy. <laughs> yeah, he was Prince was competitive, but you I mean, you know, look at the type of music he was making against the people he was you know making. What? You know. I would like to apologize. We were supposed to be talking about Michael Jackson and look at what happened. Well, it's fine because we <laughs> you know, we're still celebrating Prince, you know, and we share that space with both of those guys today. And Loki, you know, I, I told you guys I've been doing this research with the forefathers and really starting to lay the groundwork for this generation flicks um brand or whatever yeah and michael jackson and stevie wonder even though neither one of them well stevie may be 60 but i'm still trying to figure out if those two should be considered like generation flex or if they could be considered forefathers because of what they did between 1965 and 1979. And Michael Jackson wasn't even 10 years old. Well, Stevie absolutely dumb as a forefather to me. I mean, his greatest album came out five to 10 years before the whole Generation Flex era in, um, in regards to songs in the key of life. Yes. I mean, that came out like what, 74, 75, I think? I, I think so. You know what I'm saying? You know, his, like, he did, um, he did, uh, what was it, Fingertips? Uh, as Little Stevie Wonder? Like, in the 60s early 60s i mean definitely a forefather to me i mean and i could see how you um with michael jackson you would ask that question i mean honestly i think michael jackson is like the one exception that's kind of like he's intergenerational yes i agree yes he is you know i agree only only somebody your grandma your mama and you could be like okay we could find someone on the radio and still jam and still jam because i mean i would say but but then again, though, honestly, Michael Jackson, as as a, as a member of the Jackson Five, is a forefather. As the Jackson Five is a forefather to New Edition, new kids on the block, Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown, like yes. But Michael Jackson as a solo artist is Generation Flex. Absolutely, I will give you that. And you know, I've always maintained, Jabari, that Michael Jackson is probably top five greatest soul singers ever. I mean, when you think about who this brother grew up around, Michael Jackson was a teenager in the presence of Marvin Gaye, David Ruffin, Stevie Diana Wonder, Ross. like Diana Ross, Gladys Knight. Like this is who this this is where all of this soul where it, it, it came from. Who this you know who we call foremothers and forefathers. He he literally is a sponge to he, all of what we're talking about. He was absolutely their student. Yes, like they, they fed him a disciple. He was a disciple of them. <laughs> absolutely well you took it to church with them I know. absolutely well you know it's the same thing student disciples the same thing no i know i'm just you know but absolutely we just wanted to stop in and make sure we gave our respects to um definitely one of the greatest to ever step behind a microphone so we love you michael we had you we still got you um you live on through the works and all of us. So what we came to talk about today <laughs> getting to that point. <laughs> you know, it only took 20 we, minutes. We but we're here. <laughs> you know? 
And you know, low key, we only like four minutes off, so we good. You know, yeah, just well. we making it work. So you know, of course, today we're diving into the man that is Will Smith, who coincidentally he and I both share the same birthday, September twenty fifth. Um, so that means I probably would tolerate him as about as much as I tolerate you. I'm listen. <laughs> like, dang well. It I, also explains like, his rebellious spirit. Um, I'm just gonna continue. <laughs> I'm just um, so. <laughs> I mean, what do you say to that? That's such a you know. Ever just go away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna spend a little time today talking about three. Because um, there's so many things that encompass Will Smith, right? He's the movie star. He's the TV star. He's the rap star. He's the uh, business mogul. He's the family man. And we want to just spend a little time today to talk about some of those um, other sides of Will Smith that people may be very surprised about. And one of the things that I have always found to be a little bit unfair, because I'm, you know, there are certain people in the Generation Flex era that I'm very defensive about. Like you just, some folks you just not coming from. Some folks I'll let you, you know, like Bill Cosby used to be in that batch, but I've slowly had to like move him. Ooh, you just have to kind of appreciate quietly. <laughs> you know, you gotta kind of use <laughs> your, your cane and kind of slide him back out front yeah. because. He's like, he's like the guy that's gonna sink your ship if you don't let him go. Absolutely. You know, you gotta, I, I gotta get to where I'm going with all the yeah. respect, Bill. Like, like he put him on his own rafter, but you're gonna look yeah, you gonna, you're gonna put the binoculars on. But put the binoculars on, make sure he's still good out there. Absolutely. <laughs> he ain't on the boat no more. You know, and that was hard, but listen, I gave him a nice vest and I made sure it worked before I put him on his way. But we had to send him on. But in that, I say all of that to say that Will Smith is definitely one of those people that I've always defended against this idea that he's not, not only is he a black artist, but he's always been very unapologetic about his blackness in everything that he does. And even with, oh, excuse me, even with, um, with Janet Hubert, who you all know as Aunt Viv number one, you know, she made headlines a couple of months ago. And I think we touched on this briefly in one of the previous shows ever. But she criticized him for basically creating this um, nepotism system within his family and within Hollywood, which is only given using his star power and using his um, using his influence to only give opportunities to those in his family and to his kids and, and, and friends, too, you know, like in his circle, his very tight uh, circle. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought it was some I thought it was a fair assessment, but it also reinforced for me, like, I don't think people have really paid attention to some of the things that Will Smith has laid out as far as what it means to be black and do so in a way that it's not it's OK. You know, right. even when and, and prime example, I'll use or I'll start with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. If you before you even get into the nuances of the show and the black family and and what it represented, the Fresh Prince at its root was a variety of black representation. Kind of going back to what we talked about last week, you know, Uncle Phil was the snob Republican, 
you know, the conservative. Yeah. You know, Will was the the homeboy, and then Unviv was kind of like that. The, the the she was woke HBCU you know like yeah she was like, the median you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah she, she was, was kind of like both sides you yeah know? she she was the glue that held the family together and yeah. one of the yeah. things that Will Smith would do with um with the Fresh Prince I don't know if you all remember the backstory with Aunt Viv and Uncle um with um Uncle Phil and Aunt, and Aunt Viv but it was like black as hell like Uncle Phil was a Black Panther. Yeah. Before he was a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Aunt Via. Go ahead. Wasn't his nickname like Zeke or something? Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? From North Carolina. Yeah. But he was. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you good. No, I'm going to say, like, I remember up until I think we met Uncle Phil's mom, I remember thinking that Uncle Phil was kind of like one dimensional in that sense. Like, oh, you know, he just grew up kind of, you know, middle class or something didn't struggle didn't you know he was too bougie didn't care about what was going on he wasn't real and then i remember his mom came and then you see what his mom <laughs> like you were like wait a minute you grew up like you shouldn't be acting the way you act in the way you grew up you know absolutely <laughs> like absolutely. And you hear about their past and everything and then it it just it just showed that you know you could have all of these different layers into one person mm-hmm. you know almost like a barack obama like people look at him now as his clean cut guy but then you dive into his history a little bit and it's like oh wow like you know you were more attached to the streets and to the people than attached than, to the uh, streets what? like that motorcycle was yeah, you ain't have to call it out we were just gonna keep going and not <laughs> we gonna keep it going as you know, should have done in the first damn place yeah. our audience know we, we we try to get we get it right as much as we can absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever it's whatever but yeah i feel you ever um Uncle Uncle Phil was he was a Black Panther, and then if you all remember Aunt Viv, who I maintain Janet Hubert, even though I I disagree with a lot of her comments, yeah. um, and even a lot of the things she said about Will and Jada over the years, I found to be you know unfair. But one thing you cannot deny about Janet Hubert is when it comes to the portrayal of a Black mother from top to bottom, the many faces of a Black mother. There were few women who did it better than she did on The Fresh Prince. I, I mean, but she caught. Go ahead. That's it. But like with her message, is that I I feel like there was truth in her message. But I think where I differ a little bit is I don't see those things being wrong. Do you know what I mean? What like, do you mean? Because that to me, like that's what I feel like Hollywood does is they hire the people in their circle like isn't that what um oh god what's his name the jewish white people yes that's what they do no but you know you know uh what's his come on jabari you know i'm talking about the white comedian like he's like jewish and he has all these anyways no not seinfeld Anyways, moving along, but okay. he all in all of his movies. See how we can just throw out random white people names. Oh, Adam Sandler. <laughs> Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. See? Adam Sandler. That and, Jewish white guy. The fact that like, she called me out, Jabari. You know, like I'm. because well, you just went to a whole movie festival. <laughs> black. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. American black. I mean, that's what they do. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they yeah. they hire their own, and they you know they keep people on their team. They keep money in and. I feel like, you know, Will Smith is breaking barriers and the fact that he's doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
creating movies and opportunities for his kids. We talk about generational wealth. Why, well, why are we now getting mad at him for creating avenues for his children to express themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and to make money, you the know? The Wayans family did it more, better than anybody else. The Wayans family. Man, literally, what? Literally. Yeah, exactly. There are at least 20 members of the Wayans family with movie credits. Right. At least 20. At but, least. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, well, it's so I feel like that's why it's a little bit personal because, you know, I, I don't know. It just feels personal because I feel like what he's doing is what other people are doing as well. You know? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing about it is when you reach that level of success, there's always going to be some type of um, criticism of that yeah. level. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's going to always have something to say about what you should be doing with your success and what you should be doing with your influence. And yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, even with uh, all of us, Will Smith's told the story of the baby mama in a tasteful way on TV. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. did it where so many people could relate to those characters. Right. And it's those types of things that, um, you know, people really have to stop and pause and say, you know, Will Smith is, and he, a lot of his roles, we, you know, we talked about Ali, some of the things, Wild Wild West, who a lot of people, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it wasn't a commercial success. But honestly, like when I think of a cowboy movie, that's the first movie comes to mind is Wild Wild West. Listen, that was yeah. the first black queer cowboy I ever saw in my life. You or, see what I'm saying? Or even when he, like, I, like I always say, like I like the superhero movie that he did. You know what I mean? Because I remember up to that point, I ain't never seen no box office black superhero that wasn't, you know, being made fun of or yeah. wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Like we supposed to take seriously. <sighs> Well, they did, and they did make his. I mean, it was dope, but they made his love interest a white woman, which I find to be. I mean, you know, but I think you Will know, Smith you, owes us a black lead, don't you think? You know what? I, I, you know what I find interesting though, real quick about that though, that you that just to add into that, yeah. almost every Will Smith role, with the exception of a few, like Ali, um, Bad Boys, um, Independence Day, maybe. Yeah, and, maybe. And uh, um, switch or uh, well, snitch and, and hitch, hitch, no, 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 but hitch is about to be is part of what I'm about to say. With the exception of maybe five to six movies, most of Will Smith's roles have been race um, neutral. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, honestly, we live in a world where it's not black and black and white and white all the time. Sometimes it's black and white. Sometimes it's you know. And to me, like, it doesn't. I don't think the character being black or white like affects the storyline. Well, I mean, it would have been nice to see a Gabrielle Union in, in the place of Hancock or, you know, to see that role go, to, to see that black love hero story told, you know, with a black lead. You know, I think that would have been special because we uh, honestly, there's a lot of to-do being made about the Black Panther, which it is, but, you know, we do have to stop and and be like, well, Hancock, 10 years earlier, like, you know, that was a thing. He yeah. was a black superhero 10 years before this, or actually almost 15 years by the time this movie come out, damn near, you know what I'm saying? Before yeah. the Black Panther. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I, I understand that, but I, to me, though, I've never really even paid attention to the the girl role. Like, Will Smith dominates in acting like dominates and one of my favorite movies is i am legend and really that was just him on the screen for like two hours i am legend was an intense 
But I, you know what? And I remember when I was like, when it was, when the trailers and stuff came out, I was like, you mean to tell me it's just going to be Will Smith? Like, just him and like a dog? And a dog. And I, and I was <laughs> and like, a rifle. Yeah, and at first I was like, I don't know if I'm going to watch this because I'm used to watching actors interact, you know, and chemistry and everything like that, you know, with other actors. So I wasn't, I didn't even know how to really take it, but I saw that movie and I'm like, wow, I didn't need anybody else, really. Like, you know, that was incredible. <laughs> that was incredible. So absolutely, absolutely. He's um, I think. Well, Gabrielle Union. What was that? What she was in with him? They Bad, boys Bad boys too. Bad boys too. That was a period. That was a period in my teen years where I think I saw probably about eight or nine Will Smith movies in a row, opening night, like. Probably from from I robot up until seven pounds. Like every weekend, I was there. Yeah, but you know what? He made he told good stories. You know, and then yeah. it kind of reminds me. Well, seven I, pounds was a little bit on the. But I just mean as far as his roles that he picks, you know. But you know how people <laughs> talk about him like was he a better rapper? Was he a better um, actor? And then um, Troy, when you sent me that playlist. Of Will Smith songs, like rap, early rap songs. Yeah, I never knew that. Really, he was acting in his music as well. You know what I mean? Like it was very storytelling. Yes. And so to me, like it, it all of a sudden made sense why people looked at him and his product and was like, "Let's turn that into a TV show." Because he was, yeah. it was almost like he he had his own. Well, that's that's the thing that's like kind of interesting about him though. The show Fresh for French Prince of Bel Air was originally not gonna be. It wasn't really about him or anything. It was actually about um, Mariah Carey's manager Benny Medina. Mm-hmm. And he was actually adopted and raised by a Jewish white family. And then I thought it was Barry Gordy. It wasn't Barry Gordy. No, it was Benny Medina. Like if you, no, no, no. I thought it was Barry Gordy's family he went to live with. Mm, no, nah, pretty. I think it was a Jewish white family, not not Barry Gordy. Okay. Yeah, no, nah, because I mean, I mean, if it if it was, then I could be wrong, but I'm pretty almost certain it was um, Benny, um, it was a white Jewish family, and they just switched it around to mm-hmm. kind of fit Will Smith. But that just kind of shows you just how 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 marketable his brand was. Absolutely, and that that's a great point to kind of segue into um, Will Smith, the businessman, because I was doing a little research last night on uh the film star you know i put the i put the rapper to the side i put the tv star to the side and i was just focusing on his success in film because when you really when you look at will smith's resume across the three genres it's it's uh, across the three um mediums mediums if you will it's Mm -hmm. really quite astounding what the man has done in 30 years in film, in radio, and in television. It's, I don't know too many other actors, period, white or black, who has... I don't know anyone what who, who has done what he's done across all three mediums like that. I, I can't think of anyone. But when I was re- doing the research on um, the businessman behind the film, the film success of Will, of Will Smith, and I found an article that was very interesting that talked about basically how he became... Um, successful in film and it was you know it was some luck it was some charm which we all know you know he's probably one of the most charismatic you know actors of our generation Mm -hmm. but 
what made Will Smith successful as a movie star was that he studied what made movies successful. What was a what were the top ten grossing movies of all time? And what he found was of 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 the top ten grossing movies, all ten had special effects. Of of those ten, nine of the ten had special effects in some type of creature. Of those ten, eight um, eight of the ten had special effects, creatures, and a love story. So after he did that research, his next two films were Independence Day and Men in Black. What? <laughs> Which literally like kind of catapulted him into this. Yeah. It made him who it made him miss the Fourth of July, and it and, and it, it wasn't it wasn't a a, a, a secret formula or a luck of fate. It was literally doing the market research, analyzing the data, putting a plan in place and getting it done. I just saw a video clip of him recently kind of talking about that. Um, he was just talking about how like his mindset at the beginning of movies was like win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. And then he was also talking about um and of course I'm kind of paraphrasing as well, but like <laughs> he was he was talking about uh Wild Wild West movie. Yeah. And he was talking about how like he can't trick people to come into his movies anymore. Meaning like um he knew the Wild Wild West movie wasn't like the best, but he had like an amazing trailer which drew people in. And he was talking about how now um, you know, people within 10 minutes in social media can just tweet out this movie is garbage, this movie is trash. So you have mm-hmm. to focus on like the content, you know. Absolutely. But even him looking at that aspect of it is like, you know. Yes, he's a good actor, but he he's been playing us as far as manipulating us to come see these movies, which makes him a good businessman. What's you supposed to do? You're supposed to yeah. sell yourself, you know? Absolutely. Um, just to add to that whole business um businessman thing, um Will Smith actually originally wasn't a producer on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He actually bought his he bought into the show. Um so he actually so now he didn't actually own part of the show until I think about season three. Um, which gave him more control over the entire show. And then years later, he actually uh, created his own production company called Overbrook Entertainment, named after the high school he went to in mm-hmm. West Philadelphia. Um, just to kind of give you some of the accolades that they did, um, the movie Love and Basketball, they I did, they, 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 they executive produced the soundtrack. Yeah. You crazy, bye. Um, right. Goodbye. Turn your mic off. He also, um, he also <laughs> catch it when you get back. Right. Now he also um produced um well he helped uh, produce Wild Wild West. Um I think mainly the soundtrack specifically Ali, the show All of Us, I Robot, um Hitch, The Pursuit of Happiness, I Am Legend, Hancock, um Seven Pounds, Karate Kid, After Earth, the TV show, the Queenly TV show, and Annie. Now. Some of the that's quite an impressive list. Of things. Yeah, but those are things that he was in. Now let's let's, let's go back a little bit. Some things, some people, some movies that people didn't know he did. There was a, um a you know a small movie called Saving Face. He did that. Um, he did this this movie direct, directed by Pam Jada Pinker called The Human Contract. You know, pretty cool. But what kind of took him took you over the edge? Uh, what took him over a little bit was the movie ATL. He produced that. Yes, uh, he also. That. He also produced the movie Lakeview Terrace, starring Samuel L. Jackson, one I of the best, one of the best black actors, if I if I do say myself myself of all time. And he also, he also produced 
the secret life of bees with young you know with um jennifer hudson queen latifah dakota fanning and um alicia keys yeah so you know that that just kind of adds to his whole resume like i mean and not to mention he also has a movie partnership with uh jay-z so which is why jay-z was also a producer on the movie annie they also together um if i'm not mistaken they're two first rappers that actually like rap stars that actually are tony nominated a lot of people don't know that will smith is tony nominated for best musical for the musical fella um based on the life of the drum african drummer fella I didn't know that. I I really didn't know I that. I didn't know that. Um, now Jabari, he um, in '89. What he was a part of the the boycott. What was? Do you remember what yeah, the, the Grammy? Boy, the boycott. Yeah. Um. To, um Explain to a little bit of that. Televised. Well, the Grammys um, originally didn't want to give a Grammy for hip hop. Then right. they decided finally, you know, we'll give one, but we're not going to televise the Grammy. So all the rappers kind of boycotted and people in the industry kind of boycotted the Grammys because of that. They felt like it was unfair and they felt like, you know, it was kind of a, it was a race thing, a prejudice, and all that kind of stuff. And he ended up winning the first Grammy, the first rap Grammy ever in history. But it was honestly only because he was the cleanest rapper of the entire bunch. It wasn't because, I mean, that's what a lot of people are saying. It wasn't really because he, you know, because he was the most lyrical, had the best music. But what somebody, song he won for Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble, right? Yeah, or Parents Just Don't Understand. I will have to go back and read and listen to who he was nominated against, but either one of those songs were Grammy worthy. But, but either way, though, right, you know, in order sometimes for uh, mainstream culture to accept, they have to kind of see somebody who looks safe, right? I'm not saying that it's a right thing to do, you know, but to me, I don't want to take away from him and say like, oh, you know, he only won that because he was like a clean rapper or whatever, because that's still a big move. I mean, if he won the first one, then he's like opening the doors for people to start to accept, you know, other rappers that may not be as like PG. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, you know, Will Smith really is kind of the forefather of that like bebop rap or that safe rap, you know what I'm saying? Where really, if you think about it, um, one of the first rap albums that I purchased that I was like, oh, I could listen to this and my parents would let me listen to it was Nelly's Country Grammar. And if you remember that album, it wasn't, <laughs> it, was, it was, it really was a genuine track, track for track. But it was, for the most part, it was a genuinely clean album. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But each track wrote. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, he didn't curse, but it wasn't what it wasn't what was normally out at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I could listen to Nelly with my parents in the car. We could all jam to that. You know what but I'm even, saying? Even in his song, even in uh, Will Smith's song, um, what did he say? I am the, what was the song you sent me? I sent you like 11. I one? know, but it was the one where he was talking about himself and he was like bragging about himself. Is there another rapper in the world like me? Hell, no one like me. Others try to bite me. There might be someone like me somewhere. They're just not here. Where the hell are they at? Who cares? Because y'all got the ace in the hole. The super lover, brother, numero uno, the rapper with soul. Coming out a little on a new tip. For those of y'all that thought I couldn't do this. Yo, what consider it done? Is that the same guy for parents just don't understand the same one? People said that I couldn't rap. <laughs> you can stop 
So this is actually a great time to slide into our final segment. Um, mm-hmm. We are on pace to keep this at an hour. I'm excited. I am excited too. <laughs> and the conversation has been good. Yeah. And we have been, you know, we, we've really hit, we've covered a lot of ground today. So kudos to you guys. And I I just yeah. want to give you those nominations on um, real quick. It was from um, he won 1989 for parents just to understand. He was up against Cool Mo D for the Wild Wild West. Um, <laughs> LL That's crazy. LL Cool J for going back to Cali. Oh, I don't no. think so. That was a good LL impression. For JJ Fads Supersonic. Oh, okay, you know what? Then, I don't know. We didn't have to talk about it. We didn't talk about that correctly. We didn't have to talk about that. And then the final nom- one, which I personally think should have won. <laughs> real good. Well, all of those was kind of clean then, or or like it ain't not like push it. Push it should have won, but it was the nastiest damn one. Yeah, I'm about which, to say. which funny push enough, yo. So are you telling me that the first rap category had men and women? Yeah, it was oh. half women, and both of those. Listen, I always maintain. And my, you know, my, and I always say this too, that my hip hop knowledge is very limited, but I don't think there can be any type of conversation about great MCs and we're not talking about salt and pepper. I don't think that's really possible. And I think too many conversations happen and they're not even considered. I, I agree, but we'll, we'll save it. Absolutely. We will. We I will. Agree. Um, but to tie it all in. So, um, remember Jabari was talking about the Grammy boycott so you know there's actually like this iconic picture of like will smith um salt and pepper kid and play uh who else was in there slick rick he's in the picture and flavor flav and th- it's, it's the pic- what'd you say flavor flav and chuck be a public enemy yes you know it's um it was like right after the press conference or whatever where they were announcing that um they were boycotting the Grammys. And when I met with Clay Jabari, I had him sign that that picture. And I asked him, I was like, did y'all even think about, like, were, were y'all thinking about the impact that you all were making at the time? And he was like, no, honestly, we was just partying and having fun. <laughs> just being uh, bad and black and black and bad. <laughs> That's it. Just being bad and black and bad, black and bad. Young, rich millionaires just trying to have a good time. That's it. And I ain't mad at it. I'm trying and to be the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. So um, but wrapping up the wrapping up the, the show, um, we want to challenge ourselves to find our favorite three Will Smith moments. You know, we didn't limit ourselves to film or television or music. Um, you know, we just kind of opened it up to any time within his career that stood out to us as, as favorite moments. So I will actually start with Everett. Oh, I was hoping you were going to start with me. Um since I I forgot to prepare that, so I'm just going to speak from the I'm going to speak from the heart. Well, praise the Lord. Charge it to my mind and now my heart. Okay. Okay, favorite 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 Will Smith moments. Um one of them for me was when um Will Smith was talking about his dad in Fresh Prince. Oh, and absolutely. He, and he was crying on Uncle Phil's shoulder. 
And the reason why that sticks out of my head is because that was the first time I cried at something on TV. Yeah. And oh, not me. I was an emotional child, but I did cry on that. <laughs> but, and then that was the time I realized too that, like, you know, seeing a man cry just automatically makes me cry. But, like, so, you know, um, I don't need him. I'm going to get a bunch of honeys, make enough bunch of money. <laughs> exactly. He was oh, so hell! <laughs> That was you went for it, and you know what? Listen, like, and the Emmy goes too. Right. Um. So my <laughs> other favorite moment um, was really just the Men in Black series because it just to me up until Men in Black, like I just ain't never seen nothing like that before. Like it just yeah. made it made the world so interesting to me. Like oh, like they turned Michael Jackson into an alien, you know? And then like you know, like I, Agent it, M. And it just explained a lot of the whole, like, you know, oh, you look at the newspapers, like, UFO sighting, people think it's fake, but then he's out there, and it's real, and he's delivering alien babies. Like, that just was a funny series to me. And I watched it from movie one all the way to the um, most recent one, the third one. But, um... The third one, then, like... I'm sorry, the third one just took it off. Here comes No third. one dances quite as much as Will Smith, he's just He's carefree, which is... He just loves to dance. And then my my last favorite Will Smith um, moment, and this just because this has happened, I saw this today, but um, really is his children. Yes. Um, his children are like what I feel like Will Smith would have been had he had infinite money and you know <laughs> freedom. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, like I love that he um, was speaking recently, and he was talking about his daughter Willow. And he was talking about how, you know, she, you know, she had that big hit with my hair back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, he was saying how, you know, she was on tour and how, you know, she kept saying she didn't want to be on tour. She didn't want to be on tour. And they were making her do it anyways. And he said one morning she came downstairs and she had shaved her head. Um, so she didn't have no more hair to whip. So you could, like, <laughs> you could put her on that stage if you want to. But she... <laughs> Whip that. (laughs) Whip that. And I just like, I, I love it. And I love that they listen to her and they ain't trying to push it. Like, you know. I'm sorry. That's like, yo, you can't even whoop your child for that. No. Like, you gotta laugh. Listen, you ain't gonna do nothing but laugh like hell. Cause I would be rolling. I'd be like, you know what? And he, and he was like, he looked at her and was like, okay, I got the message. Like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> You know, but um, <laughs> but I mean, like, I love his kids, though. You know, I love that they're making moves. They're making people uncomfortable because they're not the traditional black. They're free. You know what I mean? They're free. That's they're what free. freedom. And we're so scared of that. I think that we, don't, we don't even know what it looks like to be Them free some free children, them. man. Them Ooh. some liberated children. I mean, but liberated so mind. They're liberated spiritually they liberate their bodies they're so in tune with who they are so young absolutely yeah. and i love that we and need we, more of that and you know I, what their parent and will smith is not forcing the the world to accept them which no. is help which is helping them he just supports them and you know absolutely whatever they, whatever they now, want to do they do now my, 
I'm gonna keep it real short and sweet because I know we're trying to keep it on the hour. Oh my bad. Go ahead. Now, you guys sound good. <laughs> yeah. My first one, um, I just thought it was so cool and so black. Um, the BT Awards when Jada and Will hosted. Yes, two thousand five. The best one. The best yeah, one. Yeah. Um, that was that was so dope to me. They came out on a horse and carriage. Can we they just? I mean, and that wasn't the first time Will Smith had entered the stage in a horse and carriage because he did it at the MTV Awards when he performed Wild Wild West. He did. Um, I just want to put that out there. Um, what was it? Uh, the second one for me has to be Bad Boys Two. The scene where him and um, where they where him and um Martin's character open the door. Oh, for the boy, the prom date. Yeah. <laughs> Not, I would love to use that sound bite, but you know we can't. <laughs> he said, how old you? 13. Well, shit, you look about 20. Mm, I'm sorry, it was just funny. <laughs> <laughs> but now, nah, um, that made me uncomfortable. All that custom wheels never doing, I wasn't used listen, to that. I'm about to, pro- I'm about to, he said the N word like 20 times in that scene. Yeah, it was so dope. But I'm, I'm I'm gonna find that clip um, and put it in this in the podcast. But I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna get it. I don't care. I'm breaking rules. Well, it's um, easy because I seen it. My on last one. Anyway, so you should be able to find my, it. My my last favorite Will Smith moment um, is probably back at like just his raps. Like just just I feel like it's not summer until you yeah. hear summertime. Absolutely. Yeah. Until you hear summertime, absolutely. Here it is the group slightly transformed, just a bit of a break from the norm, just a little something to break from monotony of all that hardcore dancing. It's gotten to be a little bit out of control, smooth. Thing. <laughs> huh? Come on, come on. please take me back to 1991. I mean, I was five, but I'm sure I'm grooving. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and they back because it's summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. Man, listen. Come on now. Come I on. came back and unwind. You know, he sampled um, Cooley in the Game's Summer Memory. Summer Madness. Which, summer summer Madness. Madness, which was the summer jam 20 years earlier. top three Will Smith moments. My number three Will Smith moment, um, so I've always been a big, big fan of his music, but one of my favorite songs by him, and I listened to it recently, and I'm kind of embarrassed because it, it kind of made me cry just a little bit, but it's only because, like, I've just really, as I get closer to 30, I've just really been thinking about, like, man, maybe it's time to start at least thinking about the idea of a family, right, and, and start toying with that idea. And so having that on my mind a couple of weeks ago, I was actually listening to just the two of us. I want to kiss you all the time, but I will test that butt when you cut out a line. True that. Uh-uh-uh, why you do that? I try to be a tough dad, but you be making me laugh. Crazy joy when I see the eyes of my baby boy. I pledge to you, I will always do everything I can. Show you how to be a man. Dignity, integrity, honor, and I don't mind if you lose long as you came with it. And you can cry, ain't no shame in it. It didn't work. And it is one of the most 
I mean, you talk about a love letter from a black father to his son. It is the most beautiful song that, I mean, just to have that type of love. Yeah. You know, for for your offspring to, to see you and someone like that, I you know. He loves um, his children. Yes, he does. He that, that brother loves his kids. And he's an example to all of us, you know. And he's not an anomaly. Let's not let's not no. you know mistake it at all. He's not, you know, this um outside standard of this extraneous variable. Will Smith is a great representation of black fatherhood. He yeah. is what a lot of us have experienced in some way or form and we don't want to take that away from him Absolutely. um number two i just love the storyteller of will smith parents just don't understand girls ain't nothing but trouble nightmare on am street i mean the brother now, just tells us <laughs> now i've got a story that i'd like to tell now tell me that don't sound like Nicki minaj uh that one that one little part kind of did but that wasn't no i can't believe it there's a nightmare on, on my, my street, street. <laughs> that that's oh lord that's all about that's talking about women i was listening to that and clutching my pearls a little bit i was like damn why you gotta do us like that like i know <laughs> there's a lot of male bashing songs out there but like <laughs> yeah he he he, he went was, through some trifling yeah. ass women he was like let me tell y'all about these trifling girls yeah you want to talk about like you know what the forefathers of instagram thoughts like <laughs> <laughs> yes know? He was he was preaching, you know, he was telling you a word, like be careful. There are some women out here who, you know, <laughs> try to track Absolutely. You. But he is even in um girls girls ain't nothing but trouble. There were a couple of parts in there where I heard like remnants of Slick Rick or I could hear remnants of Nicki Minaj. Like I could hear a little bit of that flavor in some of his in some of his um in the way that he flowed and I, I don't think he really gets the credit for being the storyteller that he is. I mean, the brother paints a picture. And I put this on Facebook a couple of days ago that the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song, I mean, it's probably for a generation. It's one of the first rap songs we committed to memory. It's one of those things where you don't know when you learned it, or but when you hear that doom, 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 doom. They play doom, it in doom, the clubs. You know what I'm saying? You I'm going in. Like, and like everybody stops and raps it. I'm one of the only people in the world that knows the entire song, not the sound, not the version on TV, like the entire song. All three minutes and 31 seconds. I just got here, I sprang with the quickness like lightning disappeared. I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the license plate said fresh and it had dice in the mirror. If anything, I can say that this cab was rare, but I thought, man, forget it. Yo, home's the Bel Air. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, but listen. Will Smith, the t- storyteller, must be respected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my number one favorite Will Smith moment mm-hmm. is the fact that this brother married Queen Jada Pinkett. I could not think of a more appropriate woman to stand by his side than a woman like Jada Pinkett Smith. She- I met her during the uh, low down dirty shame time right in there. Little peaches, little peaches, you know. Saw her own different world, and I was like, mm, I need that in my life. She was the epitome of like real life, current day Aunt Viv. Yes, to be perfectly honest. Yes, like she. I mean, Jada Pickett is such a <laughs> woman. Like, <laughs> she is such a. She's a intense. woman. 
she's very like she's a woman you're gonna respect her and I she's love a her. woman she's the type of woman who in the presence of will smith's like yes and i'm here as she, well as, as powerful as will smith is she gets him giddy which i love that absolutely. do you know what i mean <laughs> like i love absolutely that. that speech she made for her at black girls rock last year like that's the type of things love is made about. You know what I'm oh, saying? When you can get up there and profess your love for your woman like that and then grab her booty on TV. Yes, why not? It's his. This mine. What? It's not even, he probably wasn't even thinking about that being a statement. He probably just was like, look at all that ass. <laughs> and and forgot them, forgot them just, cameras were there. <laughs> he, just, he just cupped it one time. Just, just cupped, cupped it. it one time. Was like, yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, we have, uh, y'all make me so sick, <laughs> but we have talked ourselves beyond our limit, but we've done pretty well today. Um, I think we we had a, a great show, really paying respect to a man who definitely the, deserves the um, accolades. Will Smith has, I mean, for me personally, being uh, growing up and, and seeing him, seeing the Fresh Prince, it always told me that I wanted a house with white pillars. That's my measure of success. That when I make this money, I'm going to get me a white house in the hills with white pillars out front. Because Will Smith said I could at five years old. So I forever thank him for, you know, that and just allowing us, you know, dream big and 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 not be pressured to be and do what everybody else is doing. If if that means that you're, you know, you may get somewhere a little bit. Uh, behind everybody else, that's fine. But walk to the beat of your own drum. And that's, you know, one lesson we've definitely learned from Will Smith. So, um, final thoughts, Jabari? Um, 30 seconds for me. Not even 30 seconds. Willard Smith Jr. is the reason I wanted to, um, is a part of the reason I wanted to get in entertainment. I've, I've wanted to be in this business since I was five years old. I've never wanted to do anything else. Willard Smith Jr. is part of that reason. <laughs> Willard Smith Jr. Ever final thoughts? <laughs> you know, you know Jabari should have went second. Um, <laughs> Listen, but ever, I will final say, thoughts? yeah, I will say, you know, outside of business and everything else and movies and stuff, um, Will Smith's life, you know, the little glimpse that he has let us see um, I love the freedom that him and his wife and his family have and that's what I aspire um, that's the way I aspire to live, you know, just be able to be myself and be free about it. And I care about what anybody else has to say. I want to be free. Absolutely. Um, final thoughts. So, yes, I love Will Smith. He's a major inspiration. And we're going to be great friends. I, I see it in my, in my Oh, picture. yeah. Yeah. But um, so this is kind of like last. So this is going back to last week's show. Because um, I definitely forgot one of my favorite black mama moments. And I what? definitely believe it's one of the greatest of all time. Okay, but before you tell it, I want you to know when we're talking about time, yeah, you, remember, you remember this moment. Go ahead. This is fine. This is my final thought. So let me be final with it, Ever. <laughs> is Loretta Devine in Kingdom Come when she had to snatch Jada Pinkett out of that, out of that <laughs> closet. You come on. You come on here. <laughs> Come on out that closet. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I can't I cannot believe I forgot that. And also I am relaunching my blog this summer, mebdkx.com. It is coming 
sometime in the next two or three weeks. But I am coming with the Hillman Homecoming series, bringing that back. This year we're getting into, or this summer rather, I'm getting into the founding of Hillman and some of the founding fathers and how the school became the HBCU powerhouse it is in 2016. So if you haven't been reading it, I would highly suggest it right now. The link is mebdkx.blogspot.com. Say it again. M E B D K X dot blog spot dot com. There you go. So, um, yeah, definitely getting back into that. I'm bringing back Martin and Gina for a new series. Absolutely. I'm bringing back Cliff and Claire. Um, And then. Wait, careful. Well, listen, it's going to get very intense. I'm telling y'all, things are going to get very real. And I'm also bringing back Regine Hunter so um, from Living Single. So it's about to get real on the blog. Um, That'll be launching sometime next next month. Next month's show, just a heads up, we are talking about the fathers of Generation Floor, for the forefathers of Generation Flex. We're going to dig into the Muhammad Ali's, the Martin Luther King's, the Stokely Carmichael's, the Malcolm X's, and really start to lay the groundwork for some of the men who uh, are responsible for the generation that we praise today. So it has... Whatever. I was agreeing with you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I get so used to the opposite that I I just go into defense mode all the time. Relax. Sign well, us listen. out, boy. Sign us out. But don't hang up when he's about to sign us out. I gotta say something. Sign us out, though. Okay. See, I hate when that when you do that. <laughs> you should just fade out, Jamal. Right? Can we just end it right here? Just fade out. <laughs> just fade out. Signing off. One summer, his dad tore down a brick wall on the front of his business and told 12-year-old Will and his 9-year-old brother to rebuild it, a job they said was impossible. It took them a year and a half, but they did it. And he said, now don't you ever tell me it's something that you can't do. You don't try to build a wall. You don't set out to build a wall. You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that's ever been built. You don't start there. You say... I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. And you do that every single day. And soon you have a wall. And soon you have a wall. wall.